This is Mike Dilk of Relax Back UK. Hi, and thank you for joining me, Mike Dilk, on the Relax Back UK show here on UK Health Radio. The topic of this week's show is regeneration of the human body. Now, this is not some scary Frankenstein-type novel, but how the body can be to repair itself to help recover from some very serious illnesses and accidents. My first guest is Dr. Amir Khan of the Harley Street King Skin Clinic. And I learned from him that cos the cosmetic work they do is not all about fueling the perfect selfie photo culture at all. It's got nothing to do with that, but helping people who have quite serious psychological issues, people who have had accidents, maybe suffered burns, and they also do a lot of work with military personnel who have physical injuries and also mental health issues as a result of their, their service. Well, it, it, it involves tissue growth, tissue stimulation, tissue repair, tissue healing. So all of these things come under regenerative medicine. They use techniques to keep the knife at bay that make use of the regeneration possibilities of the human body. Then we move on to talking about the regeneration of nerves. What he quickly found out was there is no drugs approved for nerve regeneration. And so essentially, uh, once you're over 18, you're, essentially your nerves don't really regrow effectively. Bill Radback is a co-founder of NerveGen, and they're looking to try and do something about this and see if they can get nerves to regrow. And this potentially can help people with spinal cord injuries and all sorts of other issues. So please do stick around for a great show. Dr. Amir Khan is a cosmetic physician. He's the chief medical officer and the clinical lead for regenerative medicine at the Harley Street Skin Clinic. And I asked him, what does all that mean and entail? Well, we've got, I mean, we started our clinic. Um, I'm the co-founder of the clinic as well with my wife. And we started the clinic um, in London back in 2006. And um, since then, the clinic has grown, and now we've got a number of doctors and surgeons who are working for us. So it requires a clinical lead um, to be able to um, sort of determine, monitor, and you know, and see, and and really dictate where the the medicine goes and what sort of treatments we do. So there's some sort of consistency right across the board. Okay, and just how many people are having? this sort of treatment in the UK currently? Because I, I, you know, oh, you sort of word. read that this sort of thing is becoming very, very popular. You know, how, how many are, are going for this sort of thing? I don't know the numbers, but I mean, we we see a tremendous amount. I, I have, personally, I have about between three and 4,000 patient contacts every year. Um, so, you know, within our clinic, we see a tremendous amount. We've got over 38,000 patients on our books. Um, and we're seeing more and more coming through. So, right, so it's a very popular, you know, lots of people are talking about this and doing this sort of thing. What, what I'm keen to find out is how many of these people are, that you help are sort of after accidents and this sort of thing. It's not all people saying, oh, I'd, look to like, I'd like to look slightly different. You know, this is, some of this is pretty serious stuff. It is, uh, and I think, you know, a lot of it is pretty serious stuff. There is a, uh, there is a trend now for people coming in because of the media um, and because of the selfie culture 
wanting to look a certain way. But that's still very much the minority. By far the majority of people coming in because either that, that there is something physically um, that they want to look at to change, uh, which is affecting them psychologically. And most people are coming in for psychological well-being because they're aging in a way that's starting to affect them. People are working longer. Um, people are having families later on in life or their second time around. They've got children. And they just want to look like they feel um, because, they, you know, I mean, one area that people are coming in for is that their second time round, they're having children later on, they're going to school, and they're being referred to as the grandparent rather than the parent of the child. And that right. affects them psychologically. Um, but yeah. Okay. I, see, I, 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 I've been referred to, people have made that mistake with me because I had children sort of later in life. Yes. And I, I, I kind of like it, actually. It doesn't worry me too much. But there you <laughs> yeah. go. We're all a bit different. We are. We are. And, you, <laughs> and know, by, you know, by far the majority of the population aren't coming in. But those that are coming in, most of the people who see us do have a reason to see us, either because of scarring, you know, due to acne, skin conditions, burns, oh, have I lost accidents. You? Can, you, can you hear me all right? I can hear you. Can you hear me? I, yeah, the line just went uh, a little bit. Now, one other thing I'm, I'm keen to ask you about is you do a fair amount of work with the armed forces. Is that we right? Do. Yes, we do. Yeah. Um, so what, what sort of work is that? Well, we've we've actually set up a charity to do that now. When we started back in 2012, um, we had a young soldier who was the youngest double amputee after being blown up in Iraq. Um, he came in to see us just for some work, some cosmetic work on his scars. And my wife and I, um, you know, really felt that we could do a lot more for him and, and to help him to to sort of get integrated back into life. He was he was very withdrawn. He was very young when he came to see us. And we started to support him, not just from the clinic with respect to reconstructive work on his scars um, and to improve his appearance and his function, but also start to support him psychologically and with his um, with his hobbies. He, he liked racing, so we, we decided that we would sponsor him. And we would support him. And then we met other soldiers as well who who had other needs, you know, psychological needs, physical needs. And we very quickly realized that we couldn't do this all by ourselves. So we set up a charity called Turn Back Time to help them. And it's to preserve psychological and physical health and rehabilitation back into a normal lifestyle. And we've been okay. incorporated for nearly just over two years now. And we've, you know, we've seen some really great results. They respond really well. And we've seen that, some that, great that results. That sounds like a very um, worthwhile charity to get going, certainly. And actually, at the end, I'll get you to give the, the website or the information uh, mm. for that. Sure. But let me ask about some of the techniques you use, because I think you're interested in what you call regenerative techniques, other things, procedures that you don't have to, that don't involve surgery. Is that right? Yeah, Absolutely. And I think regenerative medicine is, is a very exciting area of medicine which is moving forwards um, and will start to replace a lot of traditional medical and surgical procedures. So when you say regenerative, it, does this actually involve tissue growth? Well, it, it, it involves tissue growth, tissue stimulation, tissue repair, tissue healing. So all of these things come under regenerative medicine. Um, and certainly tissue growth and organ growth is still in its infancy, in that we are growing organs 
outside of the body, and particularly skin, has has been one of the oldest organs that we've grown. Um, but we're also looking at, um, you know, the, the the sort of medical um, industries looking at growing things like heart tissue. Um, but we can do intracellular in vivo cellular engineering as well by injecting stem cells which have been prepared specifically to, to repair a tissue into the blood or into that tissue itself, which then regenerates it within the body. Right, okay, so you're actually getting cells in the body to divide. So actually, as a layman, hmm. you're, going to put my, you're going to put my mind to rest here. So as, as a layman, yeah. I, I hear about uh, cells we make divide mm -hmm. uh, within the body, which mm -hmm. obviously that happens naturally. Yes. But kind of that's what cancer is, isn't it? Cells dividing, going a bit out of control. Yeah. Well, cancer is cells have gone rogue. So they've had DNA damage, and they what they do is they just start to multiply. Their stop mechanisms are switched off, and they just multiply out of control. Um, and there, there are a number of areas here because our own stem cells will actually go in, recognize them as rogue cells, and they will repair them or get rid of them. So right. what, what the stem cells do is, and there are a number of cancers which are now, and that have been shown to be reduced by using stem cell therapy. So stem cells, there, there is a cellular intelligence about stem cells in that they know what's right and what's wrong, and they're mm -hmm. pre-programmed with your own DNA so they will go in and recognize DNA, which is rogue, which has gone wrong either through a viral infection or through sort of a DNA mutation, and they'll go in and repair that. Okay, so the, ch the chances of this kind of technique causing uh, anything untoward is virtually nil. Sure. This was a fear earlier on, um, and lots of research has been done to look at this. Um, okay. Oh, so other people have had this fear. Well, I, I've, I've yeah. not had a novel thought yet, so there's no reason why it's <laughs> there. So. No, it's, it's. So, can you give some examples of people you've helped using this kind of, not not necessarily people, but um, the sorts of things you can help with using these regenerative techniques? Well, the regenerative techniques um, started off with using PRP um, and and um, biological scaffolding um, in dentistry, in orthopedics, in sports injuries. Um, and in veterinary surgery. So, and we've been using it in surgery as well. We've been, we've been using biological glues with PRP in order to help wound healing. Um, right. But now what we're using... What does PRP stand for? Platelet-rich plasma. It's growth, concentrated right. growth factors from your own blood. Now, right. what the growth factors do is they, they actually are communicating proteins, which um, as we get older and as, as cells are damaged through aging, through injury, through disease processes, the cellular communication starts to diminish, and that's even with stem cells. And what the PRP does is the, these are the, the communicating proteins which are concentrated and injected. So they take a process from something that slowed right down or stopped to switching it back on again. So it allows your own regeneration to, to take place. With stem cells and regenerative cells, that's different because we're taking stem cells, we're activating them by taking them out of the the, the matrix and re-injecting them. So they're activated, they're switched on. And what they do is they, they have a number of functions. Number one is they, they recognize the area because they're your own. They've got the DNA blueprint. They so you can harvest stem cells in an older person. 
Yes, you? you can. I didn't realise that. You okay, can. All right. And this is interesting because in 2012, and this is a question that I get asked, are stem cells as active in older people? Well, they're not. The, 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 the intracellular um, communication diminishes with age, and even stem cells slow down a bit. So if you harvest them younger and store them, you're much better off. However, in yeah. 2012, uh, Sir John Gurdon and a Japanese professor, Shinya Yakamanka, received the Nobel Prize for Physiology and Medicine for taking 70-year-old skin cells reprogramming them through a nutritional uh, media and peptides uh-huh. and then becoming pluripotent like embryonic stem cells. So you can take stem cells out of a system, reactivate them and put them back in. They're still your own and they're still safe and they still do the job. Okay, goodness me. that's Because I, I, I was going to ask about some of these techniques as people get older, mm. or as opposed to working in children. So it can be made to work sure. in old people like me who get mistaken to be their children's grandparents. <laughs> and me, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I've got grandchildren. Yeah. But, yeah. but the other thing is that more and more children are storing their stem cells at an embryonic age. And there's research going on as well to show that embryonic stem cells don't have to be your own. Human embryonic stem cells can be used. Right. But, in a non-autologous way, um, okay. as long as there are no disease processes going on with them. So they can be used, and they're, they're showing great potential in medicine for repairing and re-engineering tissues and organs. That's a big thing, because I must admit, when, when this, a while ago you heard in the news when people were born, they saved, or parents saved stem cells, yeah. and I was thinking, how are they going to look after that? How, you know, how are they going to know where they are in 50 years' time when they might need them? <laughs> I think they've got facilities which are highly regulated to do that. I'm sure they do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay, it's not right. we don't well, keep them in our fridge anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but even so, you know, even the, the, the best sort of systems can can go wrong. Yeah, of course uh, they can for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, so there's, there's an awful lot here. We just started to scratch the surface, and I, I can imagine me being able to chat about this. Uh, with you for a, an, an hour or two, and we, we, we don't have a we don't have an hour or two. No. So perhaps the best thing to do just now, is if you well, first of all, give the details of the charity you mentioned, and also the the uh, a, a place where if people listening to this want to find out a bit more of your your clinic as well. Yes, of course. Um, the charity that we've we've set up is called Turn Back. Uh, sorry, it's called Back on Track. Um, it's Back on Track London, and it's a, a charity for soldiers. And there are lots of back-on-track charities and things out there, but it's a specific one for soldiers. Right. And um, our, cl- our clinic details are, it's a Harley Street Skin Clinic. The website is harleystreetskinclinic.com, and we're based at 48 Harley Street in London. So people can find out more information on our website, and if they want to um, come in for a consultation and have a very personalised, bespoke medical programme, created for them, um, a lifestyle program, then they can come in and see us. But I've also written a book which addresses population genomics, which gives really good advice on how people can improve their their outlook by changing some of their habits. Okay, give us the name, of, plug the book, give us the name of the book. The book is called Turn Back Time, and I think it's available on Amazon. Okay, excellent. All right, this, this is very interesting. So thank you very much indeed for chatting. 
Dr. Khan. You're um, very welcome. for listening to the Relax Back UK show here on UK Health Radio, your global real feel-good radio station. And please do remember that if you've got any questions or comments about any of the topics on the Relax Back UK show, you can go to my website and then to the blog and uh, ask the questions or make the comments. The website is relaxbackuk.com. Also on the website, this is if you're in the UK, you can ask to try out a backup chair. This helps a lot of people that are suffering from back pain or they're worried about their posture and it's a, it's a desk chair. So if you find working at your desk a real chore because you just suffer from back pain or you're worried about your posture and you don't want to suffer from back pain in the future, you can ask to try out the chair, see if it works for you. Simply go to the try out a back out chair part of the website, click on the button, fill in your details and uh, I will contact you and make that happen for you. Now we're shortly going to hear more about regeneration, that's regeneration of the human body and the next topic is nerve regeneration and um, we're going to talk to um, NerveGen and hear about the work they're doing in that area which is about, well it's about all sorts of things actually but it started off being about a spinal cord uh, repair and helping people that have suffered various sorts of paralysis from spinal cord injury. Bill Radvac is co-founder of the company NerveGen and they're doing all kinds of exciting work to look at how nerves might be helped to regenerate after accidents or diseases of various different sorts and I started off just by asking him what sort of company is NerveGen? It's officially a regenerative medicine company. Okay. that is developing a compound for nerve regeneration. Wow, and, um, and you're a co-founder. What, what's the story? I'm sure you didn't just wake up one day and think, I'm gonna start a company that does nerve regeneration, or did you? No, the, um, you know, how this came about is actually really a important, an important question. Uh, co-founder of mine, Harold, is, uh, is actually a dentist by profession with a very large office, but he's been part of our investor group for decades and been very successful. Uh, unfortunately, almost four years ago, his daughter-in-law had a those tragic slips, an accident that caused her to be paralyzed from the waist down. And, and, uh, and so he is a very studious person. I uh, went out to find anything that could help her. Um, what he quickly found out was there was no drugs approved for nerve regeneration. And so essentially, uh, once you're over 18, you're, essentially your nerves don't really regrow effectively, and you're on your own with some physio, and then you let your body heal. Um, but there's nothing, no compounds out there to help. And right. nothing really was in the pipeline. And so he came across one that was really quite promising. It was early stage, but it was able to show um, that it could repair nerves in a number of animal models from you know, stroke, MS, um, but primarily spinal cord. And so he formed a relationship with this 
Dr. Silver at Case Western in Cleveland and found out he's one of the top neuro researchers in the world, really, in this area. And um, through that relationship, struck up an accord that resulted in us licensing the technology to move it forward. Okay. So, th- I mean, this is, this is very new stuff then, really. You know, th- this is um, re- research well, hey, from just a few years ago. Well, yes and no. I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, it, we, when we present it, we talk about 30 years of hard work of Dr. Silver's in, in a few minutes. Um, but he was part of two very core discoveries, which is why, you know, he's been introduced at some of the you know, bigger conferences as the Oracle. And uh, he's one of those guys at a conference that gets followed by a bunch of people just waiting to hear some valuable snippet. Um, because he came with, uh, was the first to figure out um, why the nerves were stuck. What was, the, what was causing the nerves to actually just get stuck in the scar that's formed? And right. scars are formed not just from like a you know a trauma, but also scars form from all sorts of neurodegenerative um, issues like you know MS. Right. And um, what he found was there's a protein that's part of the scar, which is obviously very important as a protective barrier. I think it's very Darwinian in that you know the body wasn't really concerned for the last thousands and thousands of years about uh, improvement. It was actually just there to stop damage from, yeah. from uh, occurring. And so, but there's a compound in there, a protein, very sticky protein, uh, proteoglycan, that he found was actually what was binding and trapping, immobilizing the nerves and stopping repair. Okay, so what, perhaps if you can just rewind a little bit and take me through the, the, the sort of process to heal the nerve damage in, in very much in layman's terms and how, yeah. how that um, obviously the scarring has something to do with that. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's as simple as whenever you have say a, a you know, a cut that becomes inflamed or some kind of a bump and bruise and, and you can observe and feel uh, a, you know, the body sends in you know, a bunch of fluids into that area. And there is part of that fluid that's there just basically to shut down and mobilize um, the nervous system as well. Right. Oh, so okay. as part of that, that bruise becomes, a, it's called a glial scar. And it's there with fluid that's, that's essentially not just, you know, stop more damage or infection, but actually sort of freezes the uh, nervous system. Is, is that um, part of the body's um, defense to actually stop it hurting so much then? Um, I, I imagine it's not, we haven't really tied it into the, into pain, uh, so much, although, you know, we think one of our opportunities is to, um, improve, um, neuropathic pain potentially in the, in the future. Um, but you know, the pain is always, is actually a good thing, uh, to start with, obviously, I mean, the point of it is to tell you that there's damage done. Sure. The level of pain is there to tell you how much damage. All right. Uh, so, so we're... Okay, so we're, we're in a situation where there's nerve damage and the scarring that takes place kind of prevents the body healing those nerves. Is that, is that more or less it? That's it. And so uh, Dr. Silver, so that was his first major discovery. And then with the, and that's, you know, over 10 years ago, then probably 10 years ago, he, uh, together with a group from Harvard, found there's one receptor on the nerve, and it's called PTP sigma, that is the is the receptor that actually binds with that protein 
there's this there's a specific interact interaction happening between that that proteoglycan scar and one specific receptor on the nerve, and that's what's really uh, uh, freezing things down, locking it down, and stopping the growth, regrowth. Okay, so you found a way of get get yeah. stopping that process or slowing down that process, so the the scar well, still yeah, happens, but it just doesn't affect the nerves. Is that right? Well, yeah. So when when Dr. Silver first came out with his first theory, he was it was eight years before he was accepted. He lost most of his R and D money. He was, Sort of a, it's almost sort of Einsteinian in, in the pattern of, you know, coming up with the original theory nobody believes until all of a sudden you're the genius. <laughs> and it's the same with Dr. Silver, but then he started getting, you know, spectacular funding. And with his um, uh, group of grad students and PhD candidates, uh, they put together a plan to find a way to stop that, that binding. And that's when the team came up with this protein that um that this peptide that we've uh, licensed that actually interferes with that binding and, and that inhibition and it's really remarkable they tried it literally over the weekend they were so excited and they came back and saw regrowth through a scar which had never been done before okay so let's see if i've got this right you don't actually stop the scarring you just stop the scarring interfering Exactly, and that's okay. that's very important. The scar is very important. What this does is it's shown actually, it, it's really unique. We've spent the last few months really trying to understand it. What, what the drug, what happens in there's a number of mechanisms that we cause in broad terms, but not not directly. So what we see is is both you know regeneration of old nerves. We see plasticity, so the the brand new connections. Uh, we see remyelination, which is a repair of of the nerve coating. And so, what we've what we've determined is we don't do all those things. What we do is stop that binding, which allows the nervous system to actually repair itself naturally. Okay. And that's what that's the only reason the explanation for why this compound has worked on everything. It's worked on cardiac arrhythmia. Um, you know, and that's why we believe it has applicability even into Alzheimer's. All right. So, well, we'll, we'll talk maybe in a moment about the different things it, it can help with, but how will this drug be uh, taken by the patient? You know, do you need an operation to put it in place or do you take a pill? You know, no, we're, uh, we are planning to start a phase one study um, in a matter of months and um, we will be administering daily injections subcutaneously, but right. sy sy systemically. So um, it doesn't have to be injected you know, to the site even, because what it does is go finds, it only activates and um, when it finds a scar, when it finds that protein, um, and then it, then it acts. So it, it somewhat seeks out the damage. Right. Um, it's quite interesting. We've had somebody that reached out to us that has both MS and spinal cord injury. And theoretically, if we inject, if we're successful and inject that person, um, both conditions could be improved. Wow. So, I mean, this is, this is big news, isn't it? Really? Or potentially, you know, it, you're, you're at the start of is, a long um, journey, I would expect, but. Yes, it is. That is one thing. I mean, we did a lot of due diligence before getting into this because we knew it's a long journey, um, but everything we've seen that the, the numbers so far are, far surpassed anything. Uh, there's nothing comparable in spinal cord injury in, in animal studies of the 
that's ever come close to this and it's been okay. repeated independently over and over. So, uh, but you know, in spinal cord um, injury, we are really seen as the, you know, the one great hope. All right. So uh, all right. Well, this, here. Th this next question might be a bit unfair, but I'll, I'll ask it anyway. Is it, do you envisage that this repair to nerves will continue for a long time or it's kind of a, a one-off? Will, um, will patients sort of just get better and better over a number of years or just have like a, a, a step change quickly? Yeah, well, um, it, it may depend on the condition. Right. Um, spinal cord, however, we believe, you know, with, you know, one course of treatment will do what it can do. And largely it's because once the uh, nerves either regenerate through the scar or form new connections around it, they're permanent. Right. Um, so in that case, we expect one course and we'll do. Um, MS, uh, you may, if we're successful, you'd probably have to do it after each you know, incidence of MS uh, when there's more damage. Sure. Um, Yes, but no, what we've seen here is yeah. it's been really quite remarkable in the studies where uh, the the repair and improvement continues after we stop injecting, and okay. quite considerable improvement right. still after after the course is stopped. So here's possibly another unfair question. I seem to be specialising in that at the minute. But if say if you have a patient who has spinal cord injury and they so they've lost the ability to use their legs properly properly. And then you, you manage to regrow the nerve. Will they then have to relearn how to walk, or will they just be able to walk again? Uh, you, you, that is um, an issue to be faced. Right. It you know when we're in spinal cord, when we've uh, met with the, the different um, groups, their biggest concern is is a treatment just for the acute patients, those that have had an injury very recently. Fortunately. Um, we don't have to administer within you know hours or even days um, because the scar isn't even really formed. So that's actually one huge advantage over a number of the other uh, therapeutics that have even tried to go in this area that, where they have to be administered like in the first hours. Yeah. Um, and we're so we're comfortable the subacute you know up to two three months um, should have good um, improvement if successful. What we're actually looking at doing is we're quite unique in gaining a lot of attention is we believe um, that we're, we are going to be trying a subset in our phase 1B of chronic patients and likely in the uh, range of about a year post injury. Okay. And that would, that's getting a lot of attention because nobody's really attempted to do that before. But what we've seen in some of our models is uh, with, we have some data where the um, animals um, were treated and tested much later i mean they were injured they weren't treated for some period of time and we saw this actually once they were treated there was a sort of this burst blossom of nerve regeneration nerve growth and it sort of like there's like pent up um n you know nerves sitting there waiting um over the course of that that time period and once the the um the peptide was administered actually it was this you know cloudburst of activity and so we do believe we can go towards more chronic but you're you're right you know there there will be issues you know with um with uh 
with patients that have had longer term injury where you know there there is some muscle wastage yeah um and, and atrophying and so there you know there likely will be some limit limitation um we'll see how far you know we can take it sure yeah i suppose that's a bit of an unknown at the moment something i want to ask yeah. you actually and you, you kind of alluded to it a little earlier in the discussion uh, this kind of thing could be useful for for lots of other issues rather than just um you know someone who had a terrible accident and, and damaged their spinal cord and now can't walk properly or you know what other things is this potentially kind of useful for well that's where we're actually um planning on a phase two trial um to start actually in ms right uh, in 2021 and in that case we have a number of studies that show remyelination so ms is where the body's um immune system is attacking its nervous system and damaging the myelin, the coating of the nerves. Right. And in these numerous models, we've seen a repair of that myelin. It's a remyelination. We've also have the plasticity of new connections happening. And so those are, are two mechanisms occurring that give you know, pretty strong hope for a positive treatment and for a lot of the MS patients that are left you know, with the damage. Okay. All right. That's interesting. Uh, so there's that. Um, you know, we even you know we have a long list. Theoretically, you know, traumatic brain injury, um, ALS, um, schizophrenia. Is, you know, theoretically, all possible. Um, because but how could it help what you're with something essentially, like that? Well, essentially, you're seeing the same. Uh, well, when you're looking at um, the what happens in patients with Alzheimer's and they've seen a lot of the similar um, formations in the brains of people with schizophrenia. So it'd be somewhat parallel mechanisms we would hope for. Oh. Um, obviously we haven't done studies in that area, but theoretically it's, it's on the list. Okay, right, so, the, <laughs> so there's a lot of interesting stuff to come. What, but for, for the well, stuff- Yeah, I mean, it's, it gets us, obviously we're, we get, we try not to get too far ahead of ourselves. You have to do your do your baby steps. Yeah. That's why we want to get hard on the clinic. But you know, this if this is true, yes, it, it could be a pretty broad panacea for nervous system damage. Right. And so, what what is the the timetable? You said you're you're you're, you're doing some um, studies, stroke tests at the moment. What's the timetable for where you might be able to make this available to patients? Um, so we. Um, well, we uh, I personally feel we're moving you know, tremendously aggressively and quickly. Uh, you know, that's relative in, in healthcare. We licensed this thing, um, you know, 15, 16 months ago. So we're moving to phase one human uh, safety studies in the first quarter. Um, third quarter, we're hoping of next year, hoping to start our um, phase one B on spinal cord patients with chronic to start and then into subacute. And then, um, sort of the first half of 2021, phase two MS, and so that is pretty pretty rapid uh, pace. So yeah, okay. We haven't really marked out um, where to go uh, as far as timelines on Alzheimer's. We're getting towards the research plan on that, um, but uh, you know, it's something that you know, spinal cord. What's interesting is. Um, 
you know, we're not obviously in control of, of approvals, but given that there is nothing out there and given the visibility that Dr. Silver and our peptide have and the hope in the, in that sector, um, if we show pretty minimal improvements, even helping bladder control, um, which is a massive issue yeah. um, with you know, not just, uh, not just, you know, um, quality of life, but actual, the amount of bladder infections that happens is extraordinary. Um, and, you know, in our animal model testing, we, you know, we saw improvement in 100% of the animals in bladder control. So we show some minimal improvement. This thing should be fast-tracked, but, you know, it's, it's so hard to prognosticate. Right. Uh, timing is goodness me. So I, I mean, I'm sure people are listening to this and be thinking, goodness, you know, this is really interesting. Um, if they want to find out a bit more, you know, some more detailed information about NerveGen and how how it's moving, the timetable, and what you're working on, is is there a website people can look at? Yes. Yeah. Um, www.nervegen.com. N-e-r-v-g-e-n.com. And if you Go to it. We have, you know, links for investors as we're a public company. And um, if you uh, go to the and send a comment to info at, they go directly to me. Okay. Are, are you looking for people that are currently ill and might want to take part in a, in a trial? Well, we um, are not able to really look for those patients. Um, however, you know, it's... Not many days I don't get somebody uh, requesting to be added to the list uh, from our website. So if people are interested, you know, please feel free to uh, send an email. We'll definitely uh, keep you apprised of upcoming clinical trials. Yeah, no, that that doesn't surprise me. So, all right. So my my final question, I would love, because this sounds absolutely fascinating. I would love in a few months time to invite you back on again and get an update. Could you, could you do that for us? Oh, absolutely. All right. Anytime. That's fascinating stuff. So look, Bill, thank you very much indeed um, for chatting and uh, good luck with it all. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much, mate. Please do remember what I said earlier about trying out a back app chair. So that's if you're in the UK and you're suffering from back pain or you're worried about your posture when you're sitting at your desk, you can try out a back app chair for free. All you have to do is go to my website, relaxbackuk.com, fill in your details and I'll contact you and uh, try and arrange that. Um, very easy to do. Thank you to my guests on this week's show. They were Dr. Emma Khan of the Harley Street Skin Clinic and Bill Radvac of NerveGen. And of course, also, thank you to you for listening. That was Mike Dilk of Relax Back UK. Thank you for listening and please join us again next time. (laughs) 